Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I'm joined with Brett Freeman. Hey everyone. Jonathan Lee. Hello everybody. And Chris Apple. Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, Hello. there we go. Hello. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm here. Quick edit. All right, let's do this. Uh, so, our episode today, we're going to talk about 2019 in review, and then we're going to go over the card packs and the stream that happened, all the new cards that uh, are giving us goodies. That's getting everyone excited about that. You know, we finally have some news with upcoming information. But first things first, we'll start talking about 2019. It's been a hell of a year in X-Wing. We, you know, like this is like the first full year that we've experienced with X-Wing second edition. So it's been a whole roller coaster ride of, you know, ups and downs. Um, we've got a little bit of data to share. We got, you know, a little bit of our own personal thoughts and feelings. But uh, right off the bat, where do we want to start with this? So I just on your comment that it's been a hell of a year, right? Like I was looking at the the release, um, the number of releases that happened in 2019. Uh, if you look at xhud xhud.com, they've got like well, that guy has a whole bunch of data on that kind of stuff. Um, six different you know products that were released in 2019. So we got all of uh, kind of servants of strife and everything from the new factions, right? Um, all the deltas, a, a couple re-releases, and then a few other waves. But it feels like we got a lot of new content this year. In addition to, you know, still sifting through all the conversion kits, right? But I, I don't remember. Like in 1.0, we never got this many new things in boxes in one year, right? It's it was an avalanche. Um, probably not. Yeah, I mean, granted, I, I think with first edition there was a lot of hiccups going on but yeah i definitely agree that like it's been a straight just content crush that we've been getting i mean we got how many we have basically um in 2019 four new factions so right off the bat there like that's something completely new for the year i mean i know resistance and whatever uh first order came out at the end of 2018 but still that, that doesn't count well, they literally came out in December, right? right. Like, like that was they came out right at very at the end of the year, and then so it it really feels like um, we like two was fully operational in twenty nineteen, right? It got all of some of those factions at smaller ship counts, sure, but you know they they addressed uh, for sure, kind of they they definitely helped separatists and republic along to be on even or even better footing, right? So it was it feels like we got a full kind of view into two and yeah, with with some stumbling around a couple of things, particularly format. And once the first points came out, that was kind of like the end of the bit, like beta testing of uh, of you know the the September release. So that's really when things picked up. I thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then we also like we just kind of happened to get thrown in at the end, like Epic, which is amazing, right? And you know, it's 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 gonna pick up right again in 2020 right with a whole bunch of new content pretty quick in february and then I, when does the aces pack come out is that um is that before they said wave five? they said uh end of january on the stream oh neat all but right they, they so also we... the same time as uh, the fireball and uh the baron tie so um i i guess that's coming out now end of january as well instead of february like we thought okay you know what what happened right is we got like a whole obviously the adjustments in january and then we got the point point adjustment in july which we'll get used to over time between we got a bunch of new content which was occasionally disruptive right sometimes not um but we got like jedi in march right and then uh we got the the transport wave uh 
a little bit after July, right? Um, I guess that was like like August time frame. I don't remember. Yeah, I want to say like the eighth, and and then of course we got our wonderful uh, ensnare release <laughs> in September. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's interesting, right, is if you look at um, if you look at Pink Brain Matter, which has kind of a really good view into faction representation and faction performance, um, you can kind of see the story of, of the year. Uh, and it's you know it, I, rem- I remember going into uh, the January timeframe, right? I think at that point it was coming out of preseason. People were still talking about quad phantoms. Quad phantoms were absolutely relevant um, through that first part before July, right? Like it was all about phantoms and rebel beef with Leia and eventually Han by the time we got to July. Um, but outside of that, I mean, maybe it's my memory that's bad. Like, do you guys remember a lot about the early part of 2019 besides that? Not really. I mean, I remember getting emails of people being like, hey, like, you know, what should we fly? Like, we're going to a system open. Like, what should we fly? And that is precisely that. It was just like, you should probably be, be flying quad phantoms. Like, that was the answer to everything at the moment. So it was interesting to see that meta develop and kind of fall apart. Because, I mean, even though you do see some phantoms nowadays, it's not that same like impact that it was before well you also i mean i like to break it down also into the hyperspace time frame right because i feel like from like april to june we were having a ton of hyperspace trials um so stuff like phantoms really didn't matter at that point um so i was thinking more you know five a's um you know which were pretty dominant at a point in uh, hyperspace and, and obviously rubble beef which just dominated hyperspace and extended were really the big stories of of that time frame yeah and then as well earlier in the year we had uh you know a more an even more limited hyperspace format for a very brief period of time Trey, right, where where hyperspace got expanded yeah there was a glorious um, month there right <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it was you know it was probably the only time we'll ever see the format that limited i find out more that's going away um, but meta-wise, right? Like, I it, there, we obviously did a ton of breakdowns, but looking back, I guess the defining feature of that time was really like Leia. Um, and then you hit July, and like performance for Rebels drops off a cliff. Uh, like basically, the use rate does as well. I mean, pretty much in the span of like a couple of weeks, all the Rebel players disappeared. I don't know where they went. I, I we could probably take some guesses, but they they just left that faction at mass. Jonathan, where did they go? We were hiding. <laughs> no, we never. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, it shows you who the true rebels are, like who sticks to the rebel faction. You didn't abandon ship, right? No, uh, I mean, right I played the Sinker Swarm a bit, but that was, I started playing Sinker mostly because Andrew wanted me to play it against him when he was practicing for Worlds, and then, uh, so I played it for a while, but I'm back to Rebels now. Yeah. You know what's interesting? Is that, like, if you if you look at performance over the course of the year, it rarely follows, like, actual representation for the factions. So, like, there's there's, like, this definite kind of split between one players are kind of using things. That might be the way the graph is presented. But like Rebels for sure, when it was good, it right? Like as the moment they were dominant, they were 
if you look at the end of this year, separatists, their performance is really, really strong. Um, and it was strong kind of with Seer leading into the release of Ensnare, which I guess happened in September. Um, but that that has probably, it's probably just hasn't been as popular as the dominant rebel list, right? Just because of its player base is just smaller. That's true. Um, I, okay, so we have the separatists kind of shoot up at the end, but do we really think that is the end result of Ensnare? Like you said, you know, or is yeah. that more Seer? No, I, I think that Seer, like, was the beginning of people realizing a seer swarm went down a net of i think it's something like it's more than 15 points um so people were starting to find the pieces in that faction right and then ensnare gets dropped into the mix and you see you just see kind of performance continue to to go kind of at that same level you know like i i i don't i don't know that it's really productive to try and figure out which one is causing it although i know that ensnare is the piece that if you addressed it we see even less of separatists right um but i you know it's the the interesting thing to me is that throughout the first half of the year when rebels were dominant they were everywhere right and it it appears i'd have to kind of go back and look at some of the actual kind of numbers and usage but it appears that while separatists have been good they've been nowhere near as popular sure um, and like we, we could debate power level of leia beef versus ensnare kind of lists right uh, but at minimum people want to fly wedge i guess <laughs> is what we learned in 2019 um so why don't we talk a little bit about the galactic republic then if we're going by this uh faction performance uh, sure. i mean like yeah, the res representation um, of them looks kind of small but at the same time they're at the top of the list performing the best uh come the end of the year well, they're second best, or well, they're doing well. They're uh, well, yeah. And you got to be careful. Don't don't look too much at like the December numbers because they're sure. all weird, right? Because you have a lot less there. But like, um, when do we get when do we get all that? When do we actually get separatists and republic? It was March, I think. Yeah, I believe it was March. Yeah, it's at the end of March, like early March, right? Like stuff released. I remember Anakin and Obi Wan fitting in lists with like two torrents, right, and being really effective. Uh, so the first. Big list was Anakin, and then it, Regen, Ahsoka, Regen, and two V19s. Um, because remember, Obi-Wan used to be a lot more expensive when it first came out. So you couldn't get the two of them and, and the two V19s, if I remember correctly. Right. Okay. So I misspoke. There's Annie and Mace and Annie or something else um, with, with the Torrents. And then in July, they hit Anakin, right? But then they decreased. But then they made everyone else grow. Pretty much free. Well, I guess on, on net, right? Like like I have it down below if you look at it. Um, Obi-Wan and, and Plo with 7B together, they went from like 138 points down to 129. Um, if you include regen in there, they actually you know, didn't decrease as much as that because I think regen went up, right, with the agility change. Um, yeah. But it, it's still, like that's when we saw, uh, They obviously Republic was doing kind of well from the very beginning, but um, I think I think that it just became way more visible to everybody right after the July point change, right? Um, or maybe it just had been out long enough that we were beginning to process what it was. Because at release, people like were still debating whether or not Jedi were good, right? So there was debate about whether or not um, you know managing the Force charges was possible and stuff like that. And 
purple evades, which no one talks about anymore. I want to say that I think Jedi are good. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> but, I mean, no, it, it's a really fair point, though. Like, I was definitely in that camp when they first came out where I'm paying so much for the ship that, you know, is, is really just an X-Wing with, with force. Is it going to do enough work? I mean, and you know me, I, I love Jedi, right? But it wasn't until that points change happened that I really yeah. thought that, that there was something there that I could uh, use to good results. Right. And what's interesting is that we'll probably see, you know, them get increased back to something closer right at that time. Um, and because we've kind of all like seen how effective they are, my assumption is that like if unless it's a massive point increase to them, they're still going to be very good and very present in the meta. Because um, it, it feels like it feels like something. FFG has to light a signal fire, right? For people to even to trust pieces. Sure. There's two points that I want to um, make there. Um, one, when you said like managing force points, that is like a huge thing. I think people kind of like really were a little bit of, like afraid of it um, to be like, oh, you know, because like I, I know people were kind of really upset when hate went up for large base ships. Um, but it, managing force is absolutely like obtainable, especially in these smaller base ships like you, you can absolutely yeah. do it um and, and that really kind of like pushes their presence in the meta uh the next point i, I kind of am interested in saying in the next points adjustment and like i think we're going to get real into our points uh breakdown next episode um is uh, okay so jedi are very you know relevant in the meta right now i'm curious if that's like a signal to ffg to be like okay, are they really overpowered or are they fair? Are they where we want them to be? Let's try to pull everything up to that point um, instead of tweaking Jedi to begin with. Like, obviously, there is probably going to be room for tweaks, but are we at the point that FFG is going to be like, we're not going to boost this up because, like, yes, it's very good. Yes, it is doing well in the meta, but it is not dominating the meta. Something like where Four Phantoms is doing... Um, so we're just going to leave it alone and mess well, with other things. Yeah. Well, so let's let's be careful there, right? Because I think FFG even said in their stream that it's like not as dominant or whatever, which is like just pretty much not true, right? Like it's. Um, but I, I I take your point about will FFG take the other approach of like power creeping around it, right? Which is like power creep is maybe has negative connotations, but like. Like basically what you're suggesting, right, is that, you know, right now Jedi and Empire can run trip based lists like we've talked about, substantial bids and lots of room for upgrades, right? It makes them extremely good, makes them extremely consistent. Um, so it's possible factions and be like, why don't we just give these other factions high bid, you know, kind of, or like bid is maybe the wrong word here, but just, you know, high initiative uh, lists with a lot of tools, right? Because <laughs> um, you don't, you can't do that in rebels outright. Impossible. It's just not an option. You can't do it in first order, right? It's you're not going to be able to build that list. You pretty much, there's no way to do it in scum without removing an entire ship, right? You can run two ship scum, which is kind of like two and a half ship scum because of how of what Boba is, but whatever, right? Like that's the only way you can build an equivalent. So take your point like if they were to look across the other factions and be like let's just set the line at 180 or 185 like 
I don't know what would happen. I, I assume that whichever is the best or the least counterplay um, when moving last would come out on top. Um, um, so, yeah. So that, I, I that mean, kind of depends. Yeah. And we have, like, we know FFG is going to give us the future of organized play on the, I believe, the 27th. This Friday coming up that they're going to be talking about things. I'll be curious if they're going to be changing any, like, the tournament rules or anything like that. Uh, I know in previous streams they've told us that they are closely observing different things. But, I mean, we've never really seen... We haven't seen much of a change in anything. Right. So, I mean, that could be something that is looked at. Yeah. um, Because everyone kind of knows that it's a problem. Or they assume that FFG is looking at it. And so... It's possible, well, I would say. Well, yeah, but let's let's talk about that briefly, right? Like, I mean, we we can get into more of the point speculation thing later, but episode. Um, but I think right now, if you look at if you look at the things that are able to move last and like be really dominant with it, it they, they kind of have access to extreme bids, and extreme for me is like ten or more at this point. Um, it's it's really it's probably closer to fifteen. Um, so priced like I, I don't have a problem with power creep but like if you priced a couple of things close and were not too aggressive about point decreases across the board um, I still think that that's probably the the least risky approach that FFG could take um, but that's like it's like a weird game design thing I have like very little knowledge about right like if if all you do is price the things that are kind of obvious outliers closer to, you know, some maximum. Is that actually going to produce like the effect that you want? I I don't know. So like, <laughs> like uh, you guys have played more game, right? But like, do other games do what you suggested? Just just power creep their way out of it? Uh, yes and no. Um. So like, it's it's an interesting topic because like, not every faction desires that bid. Um. Like namely the rebels um anything that really kind of like so the, let's let's talk about the the factions that kind of desire that bid like they're ac yeah. they want to move last generally have a, a double reposition um and it's kind of interesting to see where we're at in this game that certain things want that power creep or not that power creep i'm sorry that bid um, and certain factions are rather like I'd rather just bring more toys or you know whatever's yeah. available to me. So it would be interesting yeah, if, totally. if like FFG is taking a look at that um, aspect of the game and, and saying, okay, well, you know, there's no point in us really kind of like giving them the tools to make their list at 185, but we're going to give them the tools to bring more stuff at 200. Well, well, so that's sort of, I guess bid is maybe the wrong word to be using for the discussion, right? Because it's, it's not just the bid. It's, it's how many upgrades you can equip in a list that has three pieces that are arguably fully functional in the vast majority of matchups without many upgrades. I'm back to it, but like, we, all th- we always talk about Jedi, but like, honestly, Empire is just as busted, and it has been. The entire ED of 2019, right? Like, if you look at Empire Aces, they've been running additional upgrades with trip ace lists in ways that just like like are over and above what you would expect, right? Or at least what I would expect. 
I mean, that, that has like crazy impacts, right? So like, even if it runs up to 200, I kind of take what you're saying, but I'm, I'm talking about running at 200 without many upgrades, be two, maybe one even, right? Not having a kind of suite of like, you know, three upgrades per ship plus, you know, five, five, six stat line. Um, that's, that's what I'm really curious about is if FFG will kind of go that route of, of even prevent, not just removing the bid, but removing like necessary upgrades that we view as necessary right now. Sure. Um, which is like, you, you've been running quad fangs, right? There's no upgrade in that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And if you were to drop a fang, like, are you really gaining a bunch of upgrades into whatever perspective list you might build? Not really. Yeah, like that's one of it's the just the things. pieces don't fit together. It's kind of like one of those things. Where like, so like, uh, yeah, I've been running the quad fangs, but and like, you could do something like where you drop a fang and throw in switch out, um, switch out something so, like old Terok, you know, for one of that other fangs. So it's kind of like you you could p- mess around with those different toys, but like in actuality, like if something happens where I know I've talked about this in a previous episode that if one of those fangs drop in price even the slightest like giving fen fearless or even predator for that aspect could be like a huge game changer um in regards to like gameplay like i mean like granted like he doesn't really always want to move last like i mean sure it definitely helps him in certain scenarios but i mean he can still play the game with moving first and yeah totally he gets those other things like so like that's why i'm saying like um i mean certain uh, i would say certain archetypes definitely would like that um bid like so i mean like even though it's like a 15 point bid or not bid it's basically like a 15 point upgrade to be like i get to move last you know um in that regards i would say yeah but you've been building like you've just been you're a scum player right so like if you go to build a, a trip ace list in the scum faction you stop like immediately you just you, you just remove a ship and the reason you do is because you collect your three ships together right and you're at 200 almost immediately yeah um and the, if you want to have the three ships you want you have to remove upgrades that everyone would like argue are necessary so like guri right you can run a trip based scum list at 200 points with advanced sensors if you take talon bane right but then you're real in a base Right, like it's Talonbane's cool. He's a fish at, at with fearless, but he's not going to carry your list the way a Grand Inquisitor might at fifty whatever. Right, those right. low fifty points, fifty three. Um, so like, like it, that's kind of what I'm looking at. Where it's like, not every faction needs a trip based list, but if FFG is not going to increase these other ones, then I don't know what they do because it's it just seems like a dangerous game to play to to try and undercost stuff. Um, and it, then it also distorts what, what we even mean by undercost. So it's interesting conversation to begin with. Um, I have one last comment here, right? It's just like w- the changes we're talking about. Like if you go back and you look at, uh, I think at the end of 2018, that was like 124 point or trick shot R2D2 Kane and an engine upgrade, right? That went to 111 points and got discovered and started getting used, right? Um, and I, I think, you know, was a rule change at play that caused that to get used more? Always in play, so I can't call. <laughs> um, but but eventually that thing went up by, like, a couple of points with the rule change and went out of the meta. Um, 
So it's and then you look at quad phantoms, right? Quad phantoms went from fifty points each to fifty five each with Juke, right? And disappeared. Uh, just outright gone. Yeah. So like FFG doesn't have to tweak things too high. I keep saying I for but like they also don't have to increase the the points so dramatically to have sweeping effects, right? Like you were talking like a, a five to ten point increase could be pretty pretty significant or or enough. Yeah. Um, but if you go the other direction in any of these factions, like if you give me a five to ten point increase on average to ace pieces in first order, I don't know what happens. Probably nothing because one of them is quick draw. Do we think quick draw going out? <laughs> so, uh, maybe on usage, um, but that would be a little bit surprising, right? Um, I doubt quick draw's going anywhere. Yeah, um, I don't think. Uh, maybe Kylo goes up, but I, I don't. I can't see quick draw going up. Um, but like, what will happen, right? Is they'll release Von Reg, and if Von Reg is some ridiculous point cost, it will make available a true kind of ten point bid or more trip base list. And again, bid in quotes, because I'm also talking about running a list up to 200 and just taking a bunch of upgrades, right? Which is a valid strategy. Like, it works. The bid's almost always more valuable, but if they let you take the upgrades, you're going to win games with those upgrades. Sure. Um, um, let's get back on track, though, to 2019. Uh, I know we probably... No, we'll, but this was the story of 2019, right? I mean, it yeah, was sure, sure, much sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else do we want to... Any other, like... I know we're getting down to, like, the nitty-gritty of 2019. Do we want to talk about, like, any... Um, like, like uh, we've gone through, like, the meta of, like, different things that happened. Do we want to talk about, like, what else do we want to talk about with 2019? Like, uh... Topic, I think, because we just rambled about aces for a while, right? Yeah. And we've been consistently doing that. Let's talk about the other side of this, right? Which was, like, throughout 2019, we did see some higher ship count or more beefy kind of pure jousting lists right um like we we did get vulture swarm we did get the rebel beef kind of turret leia list we got sinker swarm we had quad phantoms we had it's not really beef but we had fortress and quad vipers right um when do you think the community was most vocal negative was it kind of when we were seeing beef lists when we were seeing Trips dominant on. aces. Trips salon. Salon. <laughs> the, the original beef. <laughs> so it's interesting um, to look at, though. I mean, uh, so I, I know this is the end of 2018, but like that whole dash, double tap dash, it was like very hard. Um, but vocal, uh, I would say the ensnare coming out. Um, yeah. There was huge... even before it was used. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so as that, soon as it was tested, people got mad. <laughs> no, that was a um, a big thing in snare. But um, like it, it's kind of cool to see that. Like so, like whenever when the game first came out in second edition, everyone kind of says like tie swarm, tie swarm, tie swarm. But now here we are sitting with sinker swarm. Uh, I mean, are we calling Torkoal swarm? Is in some uh, regards. I mean, yeah, um, sure. I mean, Torkoal Swarm is basically irrelevant, right? Right. But yeah. Seer Swarm, um, like, I and, mean, it, it's cool that we're having different swarms that it's not just, you know, the yeah. Thai Swarm that we're used to. Right. And there was like that like couple of minutes where people were mad at Sinker Swarm for taking a while to be destroyed, right? And it's sort of funny. Like, if you just look back on like those kind of couple of uh, medalists that dominated the conversation, like, like, 
200 points. I think we'd all agree with that, right? Um, and, and maybe it's just because I ran tabs and it was like kind of a hard counter to it. But in retrospect, like how bad was Rebel Beef? <laughs> I don't want to see Leia get decreased again, right? You don't want to see Cassian and Braylon as a as a cheap combo. But it, it feels like that was sort of a time frame where we transitioned right from Rebel Beef into kind of Seer Swarm, Sinker Swarm, right? Um, and there was a lot of negativity about those now lists that when we get into the point increases here in January, I don't think most people are looking to the. They're, they're looking at all the aces. Chris, you keep cutting out. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, um... Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying, though, um, that I, I think, like, so, like, the, I think one of the big things about, like, the swarms is that, like, they're kind of, like, hot when they first uh, bust out, and then, you know, they, people, like, kind of figure out the ways to beat them, so, like, the first impression is, like, oh, my God, I can't beat this, blah, 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 and then, like, as soon as that, like, one or two things come out that people are, like, okay, this is absolutely yep. beatable, um, where like aces are always kind of just like, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I would argue that they're always kind of like the top of the food chain. Like those trip ace lists, I mean, you always see them performing, and they're always there in different variants. Like, but I, I don't think they get as much slack as like other things do, and and I find that really interesting in the game. That like, why are they more accepted in this game than like say certain other things? Well, so let's go back, right? Like, let's go to back to Rebel Beef. And one of the pop narratives at that time was that a, a normal ace list sometimes would struggle against Rebel Beef um, because it's disengaging, right? Like everything would K-turn on you and just keep pressure. So that there were kind of situations, right, where like, you know, there were some aces that couldn't 100% manage that matchup if you just jousted, <laughs> Right, like you could you could manage that matchup without jousting for sure. Right, there were ways to beat that, uh, but it had it was a jousting list, right? That had a couple of tools that dealt with aces, and it was mainly the fact that it was a turret. It was like this blob turret because of Leia. Um, so like I, you know, that that kind of inhabits a slightly different space than say Sinker Swarm or Vulture Swarm, where where those lists they have tricks, but they don't really have tricks, right? rolling dice like network calc is crazy and so is grappling struts but they ha they don't have those kind of tricks right besides the barrel rolling on and off of rocks that rebel beef was was allowing for so i think that's one of the big keys is that you have these kind of efficient lists that don't have they're not pushing the envelope as far as mobility and arc coverage so hey, it changes Rob things Rebel Beef was also everywhere, though, which I think is a big part of the problem, right? Like, you can mm -hmm. go a whole tournament and not face a, a you know, a, a Sinker Swarm or a, a Seer Swarm or whatever. But, I mean, when yeah. a third of your games or half of your games were Rebel Beef, that's when people, I think, really started complaining about it. And since Rebels were always so popular, that that's what happens as soon as they get a list that's good. Yeah, that's fair. And then also, like, the ideal version of Rebel Beef eventually had high initiative in it as well, right? Because it, I believe, and Wedge was in there with like swarm tactics and some stuff, um, or maybe. But e either way, right? It was shooting at higher initiative than even a sinker swarm or a vulture swarm would without an ensnare piece. And people like Wedge, like you said. Um, 
Well, yeah. So, so maybe that's a big part of it, right? Is that it's actually, it's maybe not fair to compare rebel beef at all to, to, um, sinker swarm or to, to, to basically sear swarm. There's aren't they? Right. Um, so let's try to move this along. Uh, is there anything else that we kind of really want to touch base on the year, uh, looking back at 2019? Um, do we want to do anything personal, or uh, do you do you think we should? And, I mean, we and, could. And, I yeah. Why, yeah. I mean, what, why, what, why don't you, Chris? Do why don't you, you kick it off? Why don't you tell us your favorite moment of X Wing in 2019? <laughs> oh man, uh, my favorite moment of 2019 was definitely Worlds. Uh, just everything about Worlds. Worlds was so much fun. Yeah. I, I can't wait for next year. Brett, how about the you? highlight through and through? Yeah. Oh, and Redcaps. Redcaps too. That was really well done. <laughs> Oh. Uh, Worlds was great. All the the local hyperspace trials, getting you know to know all you Liberty Squadron people was was pretty awesome. Um, and being there when uh, when my buddy Paul finally uh, won a hyperspace trial, those were probably the highlights. And uh, the Liberty Squadron group championship. Oh yeah, you won that, buddy, didn't you? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh. Jonathan, you got a favorite moment of twenty nineteen? Um. You know, I did. I enjoyed the hyperspace season. Um, going down to, I guess, to Glen Burnie, and then playing at Top Deck and at Red Caps in our group championship. Um, so no, all, yeah, no specific moment, but all those were great tournaments. Um, and had a good time. Um, yeah, I mean, I like that there was a period in time when B, I, I, having played B-Wings in first edition, it was just exciting. And having played B-Wings at the very end of first edition also, it was exciting to have them be good, to have them be decent in second edition. Totally. And they're not going anywhere, right? No, I still, I'll still fly them, yeah. yeah they'll, cool. they'll increase them to 60 points and Jonathan will still No. Um, I, I think I, one of my favorite things of 2019 is just the system opens. Like even, both of them, like I, I enjoy. I, I know sometimes they get some slack, especially having to be in a con. But like, just being home, like it's almost like a home field advantage. Like just having a lot of fun with them, those things are a blast. Just being at the con itself and then having such a large tournament um, in the home city is so much fun. I highly recommend if. Uh, you're ever looking to get to a PAX or anything, PAX Unplugged is definitely one of my favorite cons now. It's just seeing everyone there and uh, getting to play X-Wing is the cherry on top. But th- that's my 2019 favorite. You know, um, Andrew, a, yep. one quick point just to kind of echo some of what you're saying there. It felt like there were a lot of really accessible tournaments. This yeah. Awesome. Like it felt like just even locally, right, between Top Deck and, and Red Caps and then, you know, even Nyack. Um like it just it just felt like there were more tournaments that we could get to without a huge which is awesome. Yeah, there's been a ton of tournaments and I mean, I think because of that the numbers are down. Yeah, um as far as frequency is so high. I mean, like every two or three weeks it seems like you can find a decent size event within a short drive. Definitely. And I, I, that's something I want to keep an eye on because I know the tournament structure changed a little bit through the year. It was kind of like a little bit of a hiccup in FFG system where everyone could get a hyperspace trial that was uh, large enough to do it. But I'd be interested to see. I know they've already said that if they're going to increase the amount of regionals um, that are coming up, but um, 
not going to be as frequent. So uh, I, I'd be interested to see that. And like I said, I know they're doing an announcement on the 27th. So keep your ears open for that. So why don't we wrap up 2019 with, with uh, one last thing, which is just your favorite list of 2019 and your least favorite matchup. So Andrew, you want to give that a go? So what was I your mean, favorite list four fangs year, was all right. So I have two. I, the four fangs was my hyperspace list. And the Ketsu Talonbay and Old Tarak was my extended list. They were like, I ran both of them just nonstop. And um, they were both a lot of fun. I think I would probably go with Four Fangs as my, still my favorite, but um, my least favorite list. Either least favorite matchup or your least uh, favorite list that you put time into. <laughs> God, <laughs> I just don't like problem. Jedi. Like, <laughs> I, I think they're just a pain. Uh, like any Jedi list, like Obi Wan, Anakin, Rick. Um, which, which is kind of funny because on the vice versa with the Ketsu Talonbane list, like I didn't have a problem with them at all. Like I had more problems with uh, some of the beefier like swarmy lists. Just so um, yeah, that's my input to it. Okay, I, we don't have to go too far about the stuff we didn't yeah. like, but you know, so, Brett, what about you, man? What's uh, what's your favorite? So I think my favorite was actually what I was flying at the beginning of 2019, which was Vader, Suntir, and Whisper. I don't think I've ever flown a list that I enjoyed as much as that one. Um, and as far as least favorite goes, it's something with proton torpedoes and probably wedge with proton torpedoes because that makes Whisper just very, very sad when, <laughs> you know, it's dead in one shot. <laughs> okay. Um, John, what about you, man? Um. I'd have to say, so I really, so during the height of Rebel Beef, I did not play, so I've never really played Wedge a lot, so I've never really used him. And I would use Braylon with Tednam, Cassian, and Dutch. And I just, and then I experimented with Dutch and Horton. And I really, I actually really like the Rebel Y-Wing, and I like both Dutch and Horton. So I uh, took that list to one of, I took it to Glen Burnie, with Dutch, and then I took it with Horton to Red Caps, and I really enjoyed playing that. Um, no, I just like Braylon and Tendam. The my least favorite matchup. I don't know. I think you know. I remember I flew against a shuttle double Phantom list, and it would, it would, it just picked me apart. And I'd have to say that would probably be my least. You know, actually, my least favorite matchup is one where. You know, you could pick the right move, and then your opponent could say, "Oh, you did this," and then change their dial to something else. So, <laughs> you know, where we had a couple of those say, this year. Yeah, because like I actually I flew against a uh, Boba Guri who totally outpsed me, initiative me, and it was it was very challenging. But like, there is something just a little frustrating when you can pick the right move, and then they could say, "Oh, you surprised me," and then just like change it to something else yeah that's yeah. uh that's totally fair yeah. um it's but you know you definitely you flew a lot of the rebel beef right so it's good that you kind of have that perspective on it because that like that archetype isn't gone um there's still the old lists and i feel like there's always going to be yeah i um, flew rebel beef like in the spring and then in between after the end of our hyperspace season before top deck i played four fangs for about two months maybe all right yeah. and then back to rebels and then sinker swarm and now back to rebels 
Nice. All right, Chris, tell us I think the variation me... of Kylo. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's fine. That's what it is. <laughs> so um, I think, so definitely my world's list was uh, the most kind of played this year. Uh, just Kylo and the four four FOs. Um, really enjoyed that. Hey, Town Vane. My least favorite was just immediate uh, related things. That was that was the puzzle that I found playing. I kind of understand how to play against, but never, never once really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, that definitely is the the least favorite match of the year. Cool. So why don't we move on to these card packs then? Um, Jonathan, I think you're probably going to have a lot to say about these uh, things coming out. I mean, you're our Rebel player, and we got a new B-Wing. We got a new uh, Falcon coming out. Why don't you talk about a little bit what you think? What's your first impression on these things? Um, so looking at, uh, should I start with the S-Files, I guess? Or... Do, do it all, man. Yeah. <laughs> do whatever you right. are most hyped about. Well, I think, so the stabilized S-Files, I think... Um... You know, if you're listening to a Next Wing podcast, you probably know what all these cards already do. But um, I think they look pretty exciting for the B-Wing. I think especially for, I think for Tednum, they look really great. So if you don't know, it gives, on one side, you get a barrel roll into red target lock. And then on the other side, you get a barrel roll into red evade. And on the red evade side, you also get a red reload. Um, and then I'll get into like sort of the double tapping a little later, but I think that barrel roll into red target lock will be really great on Tednum. So I feel like Tednum has always been sort of in Braylon. I mean, he gets some play, but he's always sort of been in Braylon's shadow because Braylon can like consistently double mod his attacks. But let's let uh, Tednum do the same thing where he can uh, get a red target lock and then he can, he'll get that stress token, which he can use as a focus. And then he has that target lock. So he can now double mod his own shots, which is really good. Um, he can reroll all his dice. unlike Braylon who can only reroll two, but Braylon, um, has the advantage that he gets a reroll in defense, but it brings them much closer together. And, and 10 doesn't necessarily have to end the turn stressed. Where Braylon, yeah. you know, in, unless Cassian's nearby, is almost always ending stressed. So you know his dial sucks, and you know where he's going to go. Where, you know, if Ten's able to spend his stress on offense or defense, then he becomes kind of squirrely. Yeah, exactly. So he has. Uh, he was even better in first in first edition when it was Kian Farlander. He was much. Uh, he's uh, really good then, even though way too expensive. But I think uh, the S foils are definitely going to be stapled to Tednum. The other side, being able to red evade, I think is good too. Um, it's not hyperspace legal, but debris gambit. You could put debris gambit on the B-Wing and then give it a red evade. So that would be a way to sort of, you could get give yourself a stress and an evade token. And it helps um, be a little bit more tanky, especially on Braylon. But it wasn't hyperspace legal, so you wouldn't see it. Um, so I... John, just pausing there briefly. Mm -hmm. um, that debris gambit card never stopped being good, right? It just—I I think it was kind of like just wasn't looked at as much. So I'm really curious if we start to see that on more ships going forward, because there was a time, right, where like people would run that on Sabine and they would run it on—I uh, think even Gurry had it equipped every now and then. I ran it pretty, on, pretty solid. I ran it on Boba um, when I had the the little coordinating craft with it too. That was really good. You, uh, yeah. You can get a, a, an evade. You can get like a reinforce. It was it was fantastic. 
Yeah, just uh, mostly just wanted to pause because I'm glad you brought that card up. It's not really talked about much. It's good. Yeah, I remember um, Matt Carey from uh, oh from the Midwest Scrubcast. He had it on his Boba Guri at uh, the Gold Squadron Classic. Uh, oh yeah, when he won that, and then everyone was like, "Debris Gambit, why is that there?" Um, <laughs> but the so I think that's that's great. So I think you definitely you'll always see it on Tenom on Braylon. Uh, well. Um, on Braylon, he's already sort of good without it, so it has a little less utility on him. It is nice for him to evade, but I think you want to... When a B-Wing creeps up in price towards, like, into the high 50s or to 60 or so, that's starting to get pretty expensive for a B-Wing. Um, back in... Not to keep on mentioning first edition, but in first edition, sometimes people would bring... B-Wings, they load it with stuff and you'd get the equivalent of like a 60 or 70 or 75 point B-Wing and it would just die. So I think you don't want your B-Wings to be too fat. Um, yeah. Can you talk I mean, a little bit Braylon, right? Um, the the closed foils barrel roll into Red Evade. But that that's probably not the worst, right? But, if, you, if you're trying to get a little more durable, but I guess it, you just, you, the shots are so, unless casting's nearby, mm -hmm. nearby, maybe that's yeah, so I think you no know, having Sorry. that red evade I think is is good, but it depends on how much it costs, you know. So there's a point there would be a price <laughs> yeah. point where you'd say I'm not going to bring it on Braylon, but I think on Tenum, any reasonable cost you'd be willing to pay it. Um, okay. For the generics, I think that you're not. I wouldn't necessarily put these on generics. Just be even though they're good cards. Um, when you're bringing like the generic. B-Wing, you're trying to squeeze as many as the, of them as you can, and you want them to be efficient. So even if they were very cheap, you might not see it. I sort of think of it like, if you think of Astromechs, like R3 and R4, they're both they're both really good. Like R, R3 giving you the double target locks, and R4 turning those all those moves uh, blue. But you never see those on generics, because even like the two or three point cost of those Astromechs is just too much when you're trying to squeeze in like... Um, generic x-wing so i don't think you're gonna see them on the generics one little counterpoint there yeah. um because i've been running a, a decent amount of luke wedge and the two b-wing um i i i wonder like b-wings already have such an incredible kind of stat line and defensive profile at the 41 points you know we've seen how effective with torrents the that linked roll into it can be to kind of string them along towards the end of games I uh, say so that that's that's something maybe to look at, which is I, I I agree though that you know their power is their forty one at like whatever that crazy stat line is, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's less necessary than with the torrent to need that evade to kind of preserve the points, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, I just did some, I just did some math on uh on Braylon if he does the the red evade. So without doing a red evade, if he just does a red focus, um, and he's stressed, he already has a 93% chance of getting one evade result because he's only rolling one defense die. And even if he doesn't have a focus with the rerolls, he's up to 80%. So, you know, assuming, I mean, this card looks really good. So, you know, it's going to have some type of cost, I assume. So I don't know how cheap it would need to be for it to really make sense on Braylon for the defensive bonus when you're then kind of neutering his offense a bit. Unless he ends up with focus evade somehow, right? And then you're definitely not shooting him. Um, you know, yeah. like it's, it might just be more of a way of communicating to 
you want to waste your time on this <laughs> like mm -hmm. it might but who knows um so then on the open side the other on the open side which is the barrel roll into red target lock it lets you after you perform an attack you can spend your lock on the defender to perform a bonus cannon attack with a cannon you haven't used already so being able to double tap as we know is super powerful but um the limitation you have to spend that target lock um so on most on all the generic B-Wings, it means unmodded shots. So I think you probably go for maybe one modded. I don't know. I, I think I might just go for one modded shot rather than two unmodded shots. Um, but on Braylon, this is the place where, you know, he can, if he gets that target lock, he stresses himself. And then he can fire both shots and have rerolls on both. So he can single mod both the shots. And I think that's some place where you could see a lot of offensive value. The problem sure. there is like if Braylon's 51 and this is, you know, X number of points, and then you add in a cannon, you're definitely getting, you could easily get into 60-ish. And then yeah. and then when you get to that price, it makes me sort of think of um Cavill, actually, in um Scum. How uh, I've never really flown, I've never flown him, but I've flown against him and you know, he often gets kind of fat into like the 60s. He can get into the 60s, but he can either double tap with a veteran turret gunner or maybe he has Han gunner and is would be firing a double modded proton torpedo. So he'd hit really hard, but he's really easy to sort of gun down. And once you're shooting him, he can't escape, you know? So like, when yeah. He, yeah. So <laughs> Andrew the, uh, remembers a point. Uh, uh, kind of Y-wing and for scum that way, Cavill. Um, and yeah, exactly what you described would happen is you couldn't trade for his points. Um, yeah, He'd hit like a hammer. It, I, it sounds really, really thematic and fun, though, to run an HLC um, foil Braylon. That's going to light yeah. up some things, right? Now, you could definitely, like, you can, you, you can fight if you, they have two cannon slots, so you could put, like, a jamming beam for free and then another cannon, like uh, Ion or HLC or whatever, and then you could fire the jamming beam first, strip tokens, then fire your real shot. And then I could also see a role in, um, so there have been some lists, um, so Kaylin Wong had run some, like, generic rebel lists where there'd be a B-wing with, like a, uh, like, a tractor beam or something like that, which would fire first, and then the generics would all fire. Um, but then you could put something like a tractor beam or some onto a named B-wing, have it fire first, and then have it, all its friends, like, fire after. Um, so some sort of, like, um, swarm beef jank sort of list. The key is, though, like, keeping that... If the B, if your B-wing hits hard and it's an obvious first target, it has a hard time escaping if your enemy wants to gun it down. Sure. Um, I, I guess I guess all that this really kind of means though is that it's it's pretty likely B-wings are here to stay as a core component yeah. of rebels, right? Which yeah, is part of what makes the faction so cool. Like I, I'm. I'm. Uh, so I'm sorry, Chris. I didn't hear that last part. So part of what makes the rebel faction kind of cool, right, is that it it does seem fairly on B wings, right? Like it's it's a very unique ship. Um, you know, it's it's really durable. Uh, you, I I I'm really curious if kind of FFG is just doubling down on on keeping it center of a lot of the list building for this, you know, for rebels in general. Um, it, it it's hard to yeah. say. And then um. 
just staying on the B last part of the B wing theme is we have now we have the I five B wing Gina Moonsong where at the start of the engagement phase she has to transfer one of her stress tokens to another friendly ship at range zero to two. And in the article, it actually showed, gave an example of her stressing herself and then passing the stress off to Braylon. So you could definitely, um, I mean, it could be useful to stress, to pass yeah. the stress off to either Braylon or Tendam if they're in a position. Or another I-5 or 6, right? Like, it, so you could give the stress and then clear the stress. Oh, yeah. Is they could, like could, or is it at the start of the engagement? Ah, it's too bad. Yeah. For reading, that double reading. tap. What about that? I mean, Every that'll time. give that double tap uh, that mod that he might need. I mean, granted, you're not going to get double mods, but like, if yeah. you have two stress, you could definitely spend them both for like basically focuses. Yeah, I didn't realize it was engagement phase. That's actually really flexible. That's that's nice. Um, so you're not actually restricting any of your other ship's actions at zero to two. Um, just just maybe their K turn options. It's cool. Yeah, so I think you know she's the potential to be good. It's just it'd be great if you could fit the three these three, and then I guess the support piece. I guess you mentioned AP five. That yep. sounds good. Yeah, Leia AP five is a pretty good thing, and then just take the three named B wings and see what happens, right? Yeah. Um, K two will probably have a bunch of room. K two SO likes getting stress tokens, and we have an awesome alt art for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you want to move to that? I mean, we got two K2SO cards. Um, I haven't thought too much about them, but do, do you have any perspective there, John? Uh, I think so. The K2SO pilot, after you gain a stress token, you can gain one calculate. So that's super good with like the U-winged out when stopping, he gets a calculate. Uh, when he coordinates, he can get a calculate too. So that's super useful. The U-wings, there's a lot of U-wing pilots. So it's maybe hard to so he'd be competing against we don't know how much he'll be, but he'd be competing against, I guess, the generics or like Cassian. Um Yeah. So it's it depends sort of on his price point. You don't really see Heftober or Bodhi. I guess there's Hef and Bodhi and um the two tubes guy. Um and then the what Saw and Magvar are more expensive. You, so you, don't really you see, see them, them in the quad kind of U wing yeah. list, right? Which I wonder, like that, that list is so miserable to play against and play. Um, I I don't imagine that the main impact Kate So will have is is on quad U wings. I mean, I think um, hopefully it's something else. You know, he could be good to like give a second mod, like he coordinate, like he'd be good as a um, not like when you'd want to bring Cassian, but like you could bring him if you wanted to give Wedge a, you coordinate Wedge, uh, whatever, a focus, and then K2SO gets his own mod, and then Wedge target locks. Sure. Or I guess with Hera, also you could give Hera a focus, and then then she goes in and target locks or, some, or something if you didn't want to bring Saw crew. So he's kind of like Rebel Suntir, right? <laughs> he's, he's just kind of, he's got a little bit of a push the limit mechanic. Yeah, so I think I think it looks good, uh, and it's I guess sort of like just a beefier version of a of a um, like a Sheetha Peep, like you, as a coordinate caddy, and then the K two S O crew. Oh, you know, I didn't even notice it gave you a white gem, and I know you guys were talking about that earlier. So um, during the system phase, you can choose a friendly ship at zero to three, and then that ship gains a calculate and a stress token. So. 
if you have a ship and you know it's already dialed in like a blue maneuver it's like a great way to like give it a, cal a calculate token and then it clears the stress so it's um it's kind of like, like a jedi it's kind of like a moving force point that you yeah. can you can pick at the beginning of the turn who you think is going to need it and as long as they're doing a blue maneuver or i guess even if they're not um you know you make sure they're going to have that that one you know eyeball change i mean it's and then you throw on the white jam it seems like it's an extremely strong piece yeah like it's that calculate it's kind of like um i was gonna say like there's that um droid the vulture that can toss a calculate to a friend or in a way it's kind of like it's kind of like palpatine in a way and he gives a force point that anyone can use but it's just it doesn't even require an action right that's what's really yeah pretty great about it yeah and that so, is, sorry go ahead yeah well, so i was just gonna ask so like so it's it's range zero to three right um so what's neat with that is you really don't have to be in a, a formation you could be in a loose formation and still be feeding things calculates. yeah or you could yeah you could have it on yourself like um, like um lando with nyanam since he's always doing blues anyways so he could um get the calculate, clear the stress, and then get two other actions. So target lock sure. and um, focus, or if he has the title, target lock and evade. Mm -hmm. uh, he wouldn't be able to boost without, I mean, if you boost, you turn, you get stress, and you probably wouldn't want to use KTSO. You don't want to double stress yourself, but. I kind of, so like, so Ryan just did really well um, uh, over at Crossroads, right? Running Jane Ors and Braylon and, uh, that kind of four ship rebel list. Mm -hmm. I think he went six zero, right? Um, I wonder if we see an evolution on that with with these pieces mixed in. Yeah, um, it's, it seems close. Like Jan is really good, but she's expensive, so you could definitely you could fit like she's with the multi crow. She like sixty points or so. Uh, I'd have to look. Yeah, but she gets she gets pricey yeah, for sure. It's like an eighteen um, point title, so. Yeah, it's just those hawks are so interesting, right? Because they've got, I guess they already have jam, right? But this would give you white jam instead of red. Uh, um, you know, I have, I am embarrassed to say I don't know if they jam. It. Yeah, they no, no that's Chris fine. Right. Yeah, it's red jam. Okay, yeah. cool. I got it at least. Um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, I'm really curious to see if uh, this crew on a hawk on, on some of those hawks works out, and then you kind of have to. If it feels like FFG might be sitting on Kyle Katarn, like bringing that price down mm. right because that's a that's a ship that's been sitting out there for a little while unused and, i don't think i've ever seen him played he's got a good ability he's yeah. tossing focus tokens um and then if he can also be toxic calculate tokens i i don't know i mean i i haven't really given too much thought to k2 so it seems solid i'm i'm as always with rebels i'm curious about what it's supporting right what is it feeding what is it helping to the end game what is the end game piece all of that because so often it's just been, you know, Braylon, Wedge, or Luke, mm -hmm. right? And then the conversation ends. Um, whereas, like, you look across other factions, and they're going through many less steps for the same functionality built into a ship mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at the start of the game without any setup or really any cost. So, I am curious, right? Like, I this this white jam is incredible, and the ability is really good. But what is it going to be supporting? What's it going to be feeding? Um, and is that is that list going to have you know substantial options against you know mobile things? Given how well Ryan just did, it looks like we've got a template for how to do it, right? You need a mean alpha strike. You need something that bites and, and does damage, right? 
it's kind of what it looks like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else are we getting with Rebels besides K2SO? Uh, so then there is uh, Alexander. So the uh, spoiler for Rebels, there's Agent uh, Callus, Rebel Agent Callus, in the Ghost, and it's when he defends. If the attacker modifies any dice, attack dice, he can roll one additional defense die. So, so when would you use that instead of Hera? I guess is the question. Um, it de- if he's a lot cheaper, maybe. <laughs> it depends on points. We're up to four, by the way, for it depends on points. <laughs> yeah, or if <laughs> it's my um, favorite. Or if you um, if you have Hera crew already somewhere in your list. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. Or if Hera is some. It it looks like a cool ship, man. Like it, I like the uh, I, I like the VCX to begin with, and this sort of doubles down on kind of being that jousty piece. Um, I'm just, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see where it, it, it's kind of in that middle ground, right? Where it's like Hera is really good. Everyone knows Hera is pretty good. And if Hera gets cheaper, you're definitely going to want to run that. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, like the low falls aren't bad. I or like, you know, is there is there just going to be a no man's land for VCXs that aren't Hera or the cheapest one? Yeah. You know? And maybe like the price points are, you know, I don't know the price point difference, but if they get too close, then it sort of squeezes out. Like, Yes. So oh, Hera yeah. is seventy three, and the generic is sixty eight. Oh, yeah. and, and Chopper's thrown in there too. I think Chopper's sixty nine. Um, okay. So, so Kanan might come down and cost two, right? Because Kanan's like Kyle Katarn, <laughs> just another one of these famous characters that doesn't get played. Yeah, I'm sure. Kanan's eighty four. I, I left him out because you know the force is what's driving that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, real quick with with this, it's kind of interesting because like a lot of shots are modified in this game now and i'm almost a little bit worried if this going to be um one of those like defensive power creeps that we're going to see that like this combined with a reinforced token might be like really hard to kill and like is it something that we should be looking at like for the i mean points permitting obviously but it, it might be something that anyone that wants to put a vcx on the table absolutely should be if well, if he can only yeah. roll, if he only rolls one die, then it doesn't actually matter. He'd have to roll more than one die if he has the reinforcer. Well, I mean, if you roll three hits, I mean, and you roll, uh, a, yeah. you get a you know, um, a reinforce and the defense die like that. That's pretty big. Yeah, I maybe if swarm tactics, maybe if some cheap swarm tactics combo happens or you know something along those lines there's so much speculation right like i feel like the defensive power creep would have to get really really significant to the point where you start looking at a vcx as a you know as, as like a, a true fortress right? I, I may and then at that point you're probably looking at hera or kanan if the points change that much but go I, ahead Brent. i may totally you know regret ever saying this but i feel like this ability is just garbage right i mean so if you're modding a, a an attack die that means you're changing at least one die to a hit right or a crit or whatever um that means that you now have a three-eighths chance to to negate potentially just that one mod and many times you're going to be modding multiple dice to to get positive results so maybe you're going to be able to cancel out one of them um so but, i mean the odds are not great i i'm not too worried about this spoiler alert the amount of times that people have boosted in on fen to get range one um, <laughs> was astronomical. Like I, I, the amount of times people have done that, I would just say like, and if you don't aren't familiar, it basically cancels out your range one dice. Yeah, that's so very dumb. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, 
I see what you're saying, Brett, but I think at the same time, like, it, it's going to be worth it, I think. I mean, even if you are modding die, like, for the attack, like, I think I would risk it over um, them trying to roll the evade. Oh, def- no, that's what I'm saying. I'll definitely modify the attack die because sure. you only have, like, a three-eighths chance of of canceling out my right, one right. Pop- mod. And if it's multiple ones, it's it's a no-brainer. But you're saying there's a chance. Um, yes. <laughs> no, I, 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 get, I get both sides. I definitely think, I mean, but, like, getting that one green die, I mean, it, uh, the amount of times that, like, you see the B-Wings just rolling that one of eight and keeping them alive for so long. I mean, like now this thing has... Yeah, I mean, this thing's got, like, so much more health. Like, I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about it, I would say. I, I've i enjoyed running VCXs when I have. So it's definitely something I'll test on release. Um, and we have the card now, so we can kind of speculate on what it'll fit with. It's not going to be more expensive than Hera, which we can say definitively, right? Like, it's it's... It's going to be closer to Chopper than Hera, um, and that's so. It's it's something to look at. I I guess it also just raises questions about what FFG is going to do with all the other upgrades around it, right? Like, is Magvayaro going to come down in cost again? Is passive sensors going to go up and impact ships like this when really it was primarily needed to get nerfed for Whisper Invader? Um, I think there's just you know there's a lot of pieces around the VCX kind of interesting with like only a couple upgrades. Uh, and I, I'm, it's it's going to be worth testing. I don't know that this one will be worth testing, but the VCX at least will be. Which leads us into Leia. Yeah, I was just about to say, do we want to start Leia up? Jonathan, I Would mean... Would you run Leia instead of Han? <laughs> right, I mean, like... Or Orlando. So, Leia is an I-5 uh, Falcon pilot. Uh, so, after a friendly ship fully executes a red maneuver, if it's at range 0 to 3, you can spend the force. And if you do, that ship gains a focus token or reco- recovers one force. Um, so, let's see. At I-5, so she's at the same initiative as, or initiative as Lando. But with that force point, she presumably will have to cost more. And, you know, could she be more expensive than Han then? Oh man, that seems very unlikely. Yeah, it's just because uh, Han and Lando are only two points apart. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So where's her price point going to fit in? Like, how do you price that one point of force, that passive mod? Uh, maybe it's easier to think about lists, know. right? Like, like because you know you have Han Lando, which was cropping up a little bit the the year here. Mm-hmm. Um, you still can cut. Like you just ran Luke and and Lando and Braylon, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, there's there's ways to run a three ship list with the Falcon. What I'm alluding to, yeah. So, you know, can you can you build a list with Leia, like what you took to Pax, uh, where you'd prefer to have Leia instead of Leia? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I would prefer to have Lando because I feel like it's more flexible and. Uh... Yeah, so Lando and and Han have pretty special abilities in that they're both kind of getting built in mods. Um, already, where normally like the force versus not force user is, well, you have a built-in mod or, or you just don't get anything at all. So I don't know if the points are going to be as drastic between Falcon pilots with a force and without as opposed to other ships. If that makes sense. It's 0-3 to three, uh, 
uh, kind of support function, which seems interesting. So maybe there is some kind of like super mega like coordinating machine between K2SO and Leia and Lando. <laughs> I mean, like, um, so first we thing, haven't seen it. First thing I saw with this card was why don't you why aren't you just pairing it up with Braylon? Like, I mean, if he ever needs to do that uh, one talent or if he needs to do any of his K turns, he's still getting that full mods and. Um, Granite Lay is probably still doing, you know, Falcon things that she can do, but uh-huh. I mean, I guess again, it really de- depends on uh, the points of Number how much five. you're on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hear you. That actually, I mean, so like, like if you ran Luke, Leia, and Bray, say that fits, and Leia is cheaper than Lando somehow or similar in cost. Um, at least with Leia, you don't have that vulnerability of being blocked, right? Uh, and not not being able to modify, because Lando really suffers from that. Where mm-hmm. it's so, it's just the, the counterplay is so directly obvious. You know, you just get in Lando's way, and then that that list starts to depend a lot more on whatever Luke and Braylon are doing. Uh, Leia has a little bit less of that, right, John? Yeah, I think um, Lando. He's sort of like. Um... Like uh, you feel it, you feel it compelled to always do the blue maneuvers, even when maybe it's not the best move. Same with like uh, what's his name, like Rick Rick Ali Ali, where you feel like you have to go fast, or any ship with full throttle where you're like I have to go fast. Um, True. <laughs> where whereas for Leia, you may feel more free to dial in your other moves, or maybe more free to like do red maneuvers. Like you never, you very rarely would K turn or do a red move on Lando. Um, I wonder if the the force recovery is a clue, um, because you're not typically going to want to spend that. You know, like maybe maybe Luke needs that every now and then, but it's rare. He, he's kind of good on force management in general. Um, but so you kind of start to look at other force using ships that this might support, and I can only really think of Kanan. Kanan. Right? Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> Kanan. The only other force using pod is Ezra, right? Oh yeah, yeah. All right. So you can you can also have like Ezra and Han. You could do Ezra Gunner Han, maybe. Yeah. Or or Luke Gunner Han. So there's a yeah. little bit going on there, I guess, but you're getting that back anyways. So I don't know. Um like it, that's maybe we're gonna get a new force using pilot at some point into Rebels. <laughs> In addition to Leia. You know, I saw I um no, never I was gonna mention the movie, but I, I won't right now. <laughs> oh man. If someone hasn't seen the movie and you just said that, they're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> That's... There was a movie. So let's move on to Page Tycho. Uh, yeah, well, so dropping two bombs is good. Uh, yeah, I don't. Do, what does it do for that ship? I'm not quite sure. Besides not dying, you see so little of the Star Fortress to begin with. I. <clears throat> Like they they get really expensive and they die quickly. Yeah, it'll so, be super sweet when you drop two proximity mines on something, but the chances of that happening are probably like one every like ten games, if that. Uh-huh. So so um, we never really saw it, but Finch Dallow was actually like pretty effective at putting bombs onto people, right? Like twice per game around that mark. Um. With this one, you have to drop two devices directly where they are, right? Unless you've got Gunner, so then you can you can kind of drop one with one template and one with a slightly longer template. Right. Well, you can trajectory. 
you can trajectory. Uh, Just drop, right? It, it, it wouldn't yeah. say launch. So it was in the article. I, mean, I guess I shouldn't rely on their articles, right? But there was right. the example of dropping and launching. And I feel like uh, trajectory oh, okay. when you would drop, you can launch. Right. Okay. Good. Well, if that's the case, then I, I totally get it. You can actually build a little bit of a box there. That's real good. Um. Yeah. That's a big difference. I, I feel like that's like, I mean, the fact that she's I-5, do we think that's going to have any kind of impact? Only in that it's slightly less likely to get initiative killed, right? Um, and then maybe, you know, because of the crew that you can take with resistance now, initiative client, um, which is good. Like, we just spent a couple minutes talking about Lando and Leia. Um, if there's a way to get, you know, some good high initiative sort of reactionary actions, that that I could see a place where where you you put some aces around this, and it's not bad. Um, We've seen so little of the bomber. Now. I'm just super bored with it. Um, like, uh, the, the, yeah, <laughs> I, the only thing I could see. Would you about still it, be bored if the bombs were good, though? Like, would you be I out mean, on it? We'll see. I mean, it would be interesting to see. So she, she can bring that mother of all bombs, whatever it is. But um, I guess you could bring like another bomb on top of it. But I I don't know. I, I'd be maybe she could play around that because doesn't that thing give you ion tokens? The electro proton. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. That, someone that someone might figure this thing out, but I I'm not sure where it's going to be. Maybe it's a cluster. Clusters are coming back. Yeah. All right, I'm bored. I'll, I'll um, run it. <laughs> I'll run it a little bit, right? I mean, it's worth running just to sort out the maps a little bit. Sure. See how it works, you know. Um, but I'm definitely like I the, the the other thing that stands out about this card is its title is just hero. <laughs> So, Hero. it's Paige Tycho. Brett, why don't you tell us about the A-Wings? That means I have to try and pronounce their names. Um, <laughs> there you go, Farmer. So the, the first one is uh, Ronith Blario. Uh, it's an I-2 uh, RZ-2 A-Wing. Uh, when you perform an attack or defend, if the ship is in another friendly ship's turret arc, you can spend a focus token from that friendly ship's to uh, change one of your eyeball results to either an evade or a hit. Um, so the I-2 here is actually a huge benefit because, uh, you know, you're going to know probably at this point, oh, you know, crap, Tally didn't have to spend her focus token. She's not getting shot the rest of this this turn. So now I can spend it myself on offense. Um, so it's kind of a way to try and make it so uh, your, your tokens aren't going to be wasted at the end of the round. Um, and you're focusing every turn, every way, or anyway, because uh, you're going to have heroic and advanced optics on them, probably, or crack and advanced, or whatever. Um, so it, it's a nice way to just try and, you know, make sure your actions aren't being wasted. Um, so, you know, depending on the points, I think it could be really good. And I, too, is is kind of an interesting space, I guess, Seven. Uh, for the evenings. <laughs> well, now I'm just doing it for fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, like, I have to keep a counter. This, this thing's going to be like 29 points. It doesn't really matter what the points are. It's going to be really cheap because it's... Yep, game. yep. Um, and the last one is ZZ Tlo, Um And this one's pretty cool. This is another I-5, which is uh, really exciting because the I-5 A-Wings are, are just a blast to play. Um, and after you defend or perform an attack, you can spend one of your recurring charges and get a focus or an evade token. Um, so... One of the detriments of the I-5 was you were always kind of scared to spend that focus token on offense because 
you know, the A-Wings kind of live and die on their green dice variants. So many a game where I've just flat out lost an A-Wing because I got greedy on offense. Uh, so this way I can spend it, you know, without having to worry about it and, and get my focus token back. Or if I didn't have to spend it, I can get an evade token and now no one's hitting me and probably shooting me. So I'm feeling safe until next round. Uh, so I think these two kind of bring a little bit of life into the uh, the five A-wing archetype again. I'm going to be really excited to put them on the table. Which was an archetype that like it's been struggling, right? Um, but it, it it's it, even even if you start to remove an A-wing from that, it was there were a couple different things that were happening here towards the end of the cycle, right? Um, so if you give resistance another I five A-wing, I feel like I feel like that opens up more than just five A-wing, right? Like this is a a very durable ship um, that is also kind of an offensive threat. So I don't know. Like it's it's not a, first thing everyone will probably think about is five A for good reason. Um, but I wonder if this sort of changes back to looking at you know four initiative five resistance ships again uh, as as a possibility. Yeah, or maybe the three A wings and Poe again. Get get them all. Yeah, five, may, uh, that, that's a good point. I, you know, just it's it's. Having access to that level of durability, deal. Um, I, you know, it, it's they're already kind of tank because they're at I five. They're so mobile, you know, tanky in quotes. But it's they're durable in that their their dial allows them to be kind of is gonna gonna be useful. Um, are there any weird interactions with this one though? Just the charges? I don't think so, right? I can't think of anything yet. Okay. After you defend it before that, yeah, we'll have to mess with it. Chris, Easy top. Do you want to talk to us about the uh, first order stuff? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we could talk for a couple minutes, I guess. Uh, what did they spoil? Just hollow. Hollow. They, they actually. Right. They no, they actually spoiled all all of the uh, the the uh, aces pack for the first order because it's only rush. Phasma and TN three. Sure. Oh no, TN four six five was already there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, love that. Okay. Just put that yeah. Phasma's yeah. interesting. She's just like reverse bigs. Yeah, I haven't I've actually looked too closely at any of this um, besides Rush. But <laughs> what are your yeah, Rush seems cool. Rush? I mean, like, uh, I I got to see the price point on Vong in the i five. I uh, before I even think about rush outside of it being cool and fun you know what i mean um like if i can build a true trip ace list that's a trip ace list the entire time probably just gonna do that uh, so, you know if i can't do that then i'll probably start to look at rush but it's a cool card i wish i wish it said like while you have one whole treat your initiative as six I feel like that would be even more of a rush, um, but it's still a cool concept, right? Like the the idea of uh, you know if your opponent targets that thing and kind of doesn't kill it, it's going to be kind of problematic for him. The trick is like you know it, it, th these these uh, von reg ties seem so flexible, so powerful, especially with if composure doesn't get increased. Um, that I'm going to be really hard pressed to to look at rush instead of uh, instead of one of those. That's my main takeaway. But I absolutely grounded, right? Because it's just I'm sure uh, Chance is looking at his Kylo Tavson list and being like, I hope rush fits, <laughs> right? Because it's it's a it's a little bit different take on. Uh, now he has two end game pieces, kind of 
yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because you only have an, uh, an endgame piece with Russia. If it doesn't die. Yeah, if it's, well, half of the ship, <laughs> right? Because otherwise it's just an I-2. But once you've given up your half points, now maybe you get to keep yep. the rest of the half points the rest of the game. So it's, I, don't know, I think it's And cool. it's it's nice to have a thing that shoot, right? Like no matter what is going to have that opportunity to, tr- to shoot. Yeah. I assume that's how the rules work here is if you, you before you die, you're damaged, so you get to shoot. Um, so they said that once he becomes a six, he would engage at the end of the current initiative phase. They didn't okay. specifically talk about what if he was actually going to die, though. Um, and therefore, you know, he's not actually in that initiative phase, but that I, I assume you're right that he's going to get to shoot. Got it. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a death fire thing going on there, which is just kind of awesome. Um, yeah, everything about the ship's neat. I, I just, you know, looking at Hollow, which says something about giving things tokens um, at range zero to two. That seems pretty solid. Hollow um, seems really cool. Yeah, like, especially since I can run, like, well, I don't know what, if I can run it, but if I can put this to uh, Von Reg tie and, you know, another ace, it gives a lot of flexibility on kind of feeding of aid token. Yeah, that would be eight for this episode. Yep. (laughs) Um, So it does it indeed. (laughs) Or you know you Uh, you bring along like a just a tie fighter and then you hand over your uh, deplete token to the tie fighter who's probably not hitting anyway. Yeah, I mean the first thing I thought of was giving an evade token. That was the only thing I really saw this card. which was, you know, that that would be useful, um, especially if you can coordinate tokens to hollow some other way, which Tavson tends to be able to do that. Um, so that that's just a, I like the fact that you have to do it, right? That you have no choice. Um, that at least seems like it's a little bit of a cost on that. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Phasma ability, um, actually more interested to see what the, Lieutenant France card does. I don't. It's like Lahus or whatever. Um, that that they didn't spoil that yet, did they? SF is yeah. in the box. You know, these are the only ones that were spoiled. I just I thought they were all three of them, but yeah. Okay. So there's 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 an I five SF that they didn't spoil yet, which I think I want to um, for sure because that's again I five is an SF for the game that we play. Um, and that that could be, that could be pretty solid, especially since if you look at the theme for that ship, it does something like that was the character that shot Leia in Last Jedi. Um, so there might be some offensive mechanic associated with that ship. Uh, but I, I, yeah, any, I mean, do you guys have a, a a view into Rush that I'm maybe is different than mine? Like I, I'm excited for it; it's cool, but I don't see it as being my go-to. Option for if they put the points down low enough, I definitely see him getting play because, like, I, I know people are saying that, like, oh, well, he's just going to die, blah blah blah, like, you know, and he might just have to be yeah. able to shoot at that last thing. But I think behind four hole, behind three dice, um, it's going to be very hard to kill him. And then as soon as it's almost like a rage timer, like, it, <laughs> when he is i6, he's going to like be very hard to kill. Um, I think he's one of those pieces that, like, if he's cheap enough, you can bring him as a filler piece and, yeah. you know, get people to shoot him and then punish them for shooting him. Um, or they don't, right? Like, you, you kind of screw up their target priorities a little. Like, yeah, but then you can use him as a bumper and you can use him as, like, all these other things that, like, he could be sitting there shooting and getting in your face. 
Um, I, I think my strategy would just be 100% kill him as soon as I have enough guns to kill him. Like, on him. Um, I, I've played enough Kylo, right, to know that, like, even a even a, a one-hole Kylo is a huge problem, right? Like, he's he's still a threat, and he's not he's not very easy to deal with um he, he ends up ends up having to disengage a lot more which is problematic but he holds his points right even at half points i yeah I, i'm with you andrew like it's it's a super it's going to be a useful piece and if you have to compromise on a true ace like this would be the first thing you look at right uh, but historically they've priced these silencers in ways where it's just like it's sure. kylo or nothing I you mean, like, like it's it, literally Kylo or nothing. If this is like the same points as like this or Von Reg, I'm taking Von Reg probably. So that's that was my point earlier, right? Yeah. Which is just it's a lot easier for me just to focus evade with Von Reg and bring gas clouds and probably bring Kylo, right? And then whatever they let me take next to that, if I'm running at 200 points, I'll delete that list from my list builder and just go play Vampire if that still fits. So like on the, on the contrary, though, you know, like it's... he's a very good like like. Um, I guess I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say is like he's a very good like adaptive piece to your list that like you could purposely bring him um to be a blocker to do something like that and sure, then sure, if, sure, sure. say like Von Reg or Kylo goes down and then something happens you now suddenly have an I6 so it, it might yeah. be something that like you, you want to take a look at it eventually just to see how that does work in the end I'll absolutely be testing it. There's no question, and it's the type of mechanic that I like to like. I, I like the idea of it. Um, you know, I, I, I again like even more fragile um, because if all at i six, it's a long time <laughs> that that thing might be at i six. Uh, but either way, it's super. It's super cool. I, the other ship though that's in this screenshot, like we got to get off of talking about first order. Um, like this fireball Kazuda is pretty neat. It's like I four and just running around with three dice a bunch, right? Which is pretty cool. Um, so that, they didn't spoil the I five one, did they? I, I don't think so. This no, just, my, just this one. One opinion on this ship is I think it's cool. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about fireballs yet, but I think. I mean, we were all so we <laughs> just were smile, so, Andrew. Just be hype. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, whatever. Um, I, I think people were real hype about Kova too, being able to like get three dice all the time, and like it was one of those things that were just like, do we really see Kova that much anymore? Like, I I, I want to see this more in play than just okay, it's a cool card. It's fair. So uh, I think it, either way, though, like I, I, the, the same conversation with Rush applies eye on filler aces right like anything that can carry its weight you know in that mid initiative range um but yeah but it's like it, it's not it's not super durable right is sort of the issue that you have with it but it is like super fast right like part of the problem with kova is you can't really like hide her in too many places i mean if they want to shoot her they're going to shoot her um where this guy i mean you know with those slams he could get into a really good flank and you know potentially just be behind someone murdering them the whole game yeah it's cool i and, and it's so like you you can roll one additional defense die and oh so it's both yeah so you can run you can roll defense die and that's cool well that actually kind of changed my opinion a little bit um because with slam that's that's not so bad especially if you can do something like uh 
maybe get VI Marathi out there, right? Check people's dials and then decide if you're going to slam or not. That starts to look a little better. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be, again, interesting to see how like cheap these things are. I, I get a feeling the fireballs are going to be cheap. Because um, I feel like they're just going to blow up. So it's going to, like, <laughs> for people well, to bring them, they're going to have to be cheap enough yeah. that they're expendable. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, right? Because that's, that's actually sort of an interesting topic, which is when you when you start to look at the fireball cost, you know, like like a Thai Epsilon, the FO Epsilon is 26 points, right? And then um, a Torrent, how much How much was the Torrent? 25? 25. With a five, you know, basically it can't slam. So these things are probably going to be like, you know, even the generics are probably going to be pretty close to 30, right? Um, I would guess. And, you know, they're, pro they're probably going to be closer to 30 than 25, for sure. So Kazuda is going to be in that kind of weird, like, scorch, long shot, no man's land of like the mid thirties where you start to, especially in resistance, like you start to be competing with tally. Right. So that's, you know, that, that I hope that doesn't happen to Kazuda, but it might where the moment this gets released, you start list building and just immediately decide why am I not running an A wing? Um, which isn't, again, it's not like a problem entirely for the faction, but might be a problem for the ship. If it's cheap enough though, it kind of can, at least initially, fill that role that um, they they used to have with the uh, you know having a three die A wing and putting out that initial burst damage that they can't do anymore. Um, I just like they, FFG has never shown themselves to price these types of ships uh, far enough away from from things like the SF right or or the RZ two A. I, that, I guess just haven't seen it much, right? They for the lowest generics, so like you can get a torrent, you can get an epsilon, but it's rare that you get some middling, you know, kind of initiative pilot that is cheap enough to to change that dynamic. Right, but like, so let's say it's thirty five points or something, which is the same as Zari in the A wing, right? And it's right, right. around where Tally's thirty eight and right. Tally's thirty six, right? So I I could see taking Kazuto and Tally and Greer and. You know, you're not taking Lulo anymore, and you're sure. you're just trying to push through that damage initially with with Kazuto, and you know Lulo died a ton too, and it sort of seems like it could be that same type of of role that you had with Lulo that you can't get anymore in a five A list. Yeah, if you've got a higher ship count list, right, where you're not you're not having to decide between the similarly costed items, I'm on board, right? Then then it, it might find a place in a list. Um, the problem is when you start building like a Poe list, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's very tough to to make the choice to take this over Tally in a Poe list or something like that. Right. So I'm still super excited for the Fireball. I'm going to buy four of them. Um, and I, you know, the named ones, how many named pilots are there? There's this one, there's the I-5, and then was there an I-3? I think there was. So let's see how it goes. Cool. So I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Any other final comments that you guys want to say about this? Um, yeah, the card I, I have to. I have to. I'm obligated to. There's an I2 uh, TIE Striker, <laughs> which is super cool. His name is Vagabond. And then there's an I0 Seek, who's like a cyborg dinosaur. Yeah. So I, everyone get hyped for gore. But I, I don't know why that thing's I0, but maybe it's like some kind of null 
interaction going on there. I mean, there's an I one jump master coming out, so it'll be interesting to Uh-oh. see what he does. It's the yeah. jump master fix we're all waiting for. Is it though? Just use your one. And are we now. waiting? We're waiting. <laughs> That's the ability. Hey, so before we wrap up, I think we hit something like 15 mentions of it depends on the points. So yeah, good work, team. I think that that doesn't beat our record, but that well, was that was solid. <laughs> cool. So, well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, we're going to be taking the next week off for the holidays, and then we'll be back right before the points adjustment to kind of give a little bit of our speculation of what we think is going to happen. Um, so stay tuned for that. It'll be the first weekend in uh, January coming up. So um, any final things before we, any shout outs? Anything yeah. Like that? Well, uh, one last comment. Um, we will eventually talk about soon tier only if it exists after January. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to throw that out there. That's fair. Um, okay. Yeah. Jonathan, I was, uh, was going to say, uh, so the Midwest Scrubcast did accept Brett's challenge, so <laughs> Brett will face them one on one. Wait, what? What is going on? What? What? Don't, shut up! We've said too much. Um, it's in the I, works. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about it later. <laughs> just, it was not my idea though. For the record. oh, it was totally. It wasn't your idea, but you were one hundred percent on board for this. Oh man! Um, all right, so we are in the works of that. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I believe we're going to have a little bit of a debate about something with uh, whether bids are um, an NPE or something along those lines. We'll, we'll stay tuned. We'll figure it out. Um, stay tuned for Friday when they completely change the bidding system. Great. Uh, yeah, we're waiting for that before we finalize any kind of plans. Um, so, on that note, if you're a fan of the I show... I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> what? <laughs> check us out on Patreon. Check us out on Facebook and um, let us know your comments. Um, <laughs> so other than that, I want to say have a, some happy holidays, have a good night, and thanks for listening.